Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Welcome to the Billboard Chartbeat Podcast. Gary Trust, Billboard's co-director of charts. And hey guys, it's Trevor Anderson, uh, chart manager slash editorial liaison. This is uh, where we look at why what's on the charts is on the charts. Also uh, give a historical perspective as well, because a lot of stuff that's happening now uh, maybe has never happened before, uh, which we see this week on the Billboard Hot 100 at number one. So uh, lots to get to this week. Uh, we'll run down the top 10 of the Hot 100, uh, which, yeah, includes a new number one. It's the fourth New number one in the last four weeks. That's pretty rare. Uh, first mostly Spanish-language song at number one in 21 years. And historic for Justin Bieber, number one in back-to-back weeks. We'll get into all that. Uh, our guest this week is Lee Leipsner, who heads up radio promotion for Columbia Records. He'll fill us in on uh, the rollout of Harry Styles' new album. Looks like it's headed for number one on the Billboard 200. Uh, latest on the Chainsmokers, who continue to be in the top 10 of the Billboard Hot 100. And uh, so much more. We're also going to flash back to maybe the most famous phone number in rock history, Trevor. Got to be it for now. All right, first, here's this week's top 10 on the Billboard Hot 100. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Number 10. You're Brendan Cupid is fine now. Going on a high note, I spy with my little eye. A girly I can get, cause she don't get too many likes. A curly headed cutie I could turn into my wife. Number nine. Number eight. Number seven. Number six. Gotta represent. Chase a chick, chase a bitch. Chase a bitch. Number 
Number five. Sit down. Number four. I'm in love with the shape of you. We push and pull like a magnet do. Although my heart is falling too. I'm in love with your body. Last night you were in my time. Number three. And number one. And hey, check that out. Again, a new number one. So if you guys have been listening for the past couple weeks, this is a nice little little turnover we got for the fourth week in a row. Like Gary uh, mentioned at the top of the show, this is a new number one, Despacito, which is Luis Fonsi and Daddy Yankee. Featuring Justin Bieber, huge week um, for the song. Obviously, getting to number one and making some some language waves as well. Uh, it's the first song that is mostly in Spanish to hit number one since the Macarena back in 1996. I'm sure everybody remembers the Macarena, whether you were alive, not alive, doing it. Everyone knows that song. It's right. just you were five years old at the time. Do you remember l- learning to walk and do the Macarena? <laughs> um, you're walking. By the time I was five, I was walking quite well. <laughs> uh, running, I might even add. Um, yeah, I remember like, you know, like in PE class back in elementary school, they kind of, they kind, you know, made a little hybrids kind of thing. I remember doing the Macarena like at the time that it was popular. They taught it in schools. It was that big. Yeah, it was that. Yeah, it was Macarena that class. big a thing. It was it was Macarena, and this is kind of a side note, but Aretha Franklin's "Respect" were the two songs that they kept on like loop in our PE class. I didn't know who Aretha Franklin was at the time, but I knew I knew that song. I love that song. But um, yes, with Despacito, the first Spanish language songs, and so we're talking about twenty one years. Yeah, um, huge hit there, and it's just the third ever Spanish song to hit number one on Hot One Hundred. Uh, some of you guys may remember La Bamba back in 1987, the uh, first song to do it, and the only song that is entirely in Spanish to hit number one. You know, Macarena had the, the Bayside Boys remix, which had some English verses in there as well, and Despacito, um, kind of the, the first, uh, about 45 seconds or so, Justin Bieber on this this new version, speaking in English. And then uh, Luis Fonsi has one very quick line in English later in the song. Yes, yes, he does. Look at Gary on the watch. But um yeah, so so third time we get a Spanish song at number one. Um and of course we've had a few songs on the Hot One Hundred as well, not in Spanish, but in other languages that have been big hits. Um probably the most recent famous example, size Gangnam style, back in two thousand twelve, uh South Korean, so the right. song is in Korean. Got to number two. Got to number two, could not overtake Maroon Five. So yeah, I mean, every once in a while, you know, it's it's kinda crazy how some of these songs that most people you know, probably do not understand the language that the song's sung in. They're just, whether it's it's the rhythm, it's the production, it's the vocals. I mean, it's, there's something about it that, you know, Gary, helps people um, cross that barrier. You may not understand what, what, what they're saying, right. but you, you get the feeling, you get the mood, the rhythm. And it's funny, too, because I know there are people, I, I remember especially when um, Shakira's La Tortura came out about maybe 2005 or so. And I know a lot of people who, it was funny, they, they, 
learned all the words to the song. They, you know, they had no clue what it right. meant. Like, couldn't tell you a single phrase except maybe the title. But they could sing the entire song, which I think is, like, such a cool aspect of that kind of thing. And like, I, I know a lot of people in other countries, they've told artists in America that they learned English by listening to English pop music. So the power of music to teach language goes both ways. They probably all know, you know, throw your hands up or something is probably <laughs> crazy out there. Yeah. Well, you know, we've yep. seen we've seen some other hits in, in recent years, too. I mean, you mentioned um, Psy, but also Bailando by Enrique Iglesias, uh, number 12 hit on the Hot 100. That was a huge uh, Spanish language hit. Uh, even uh, Nicky Jam has hit the pop songs chart. A couple times in 2015, 2016 with Spanish language songs. So even though it's rare for a song to get to number one like this on the Hot 100, we're starting to see some more examples of songs breaking through as demographics change. Maybe we're seeing more Latin music hits cross over to the mainstream. Yeah, I mean, I was going to ask, that's my next point, is the is is particularly that the, the, the Spanish, uh, I don't want to say invasion, because I guess that gives the wrong sort of, of context to it, but... I mean, obviously, the song hitting number one is a huge milestone. Do you do you think that whether it's going to be, you know, the songs in the original form or people are going to think about adding a, a Justin Bieber or a Rihanna or someone to a Drake we saw with Nicky Jam as well? Right. Do you think that sort of English-Spanish hybrid could be something we could definitely see in the next few years? I mean, it seems like that's been the model to get to number one, both Macarena and now uh, Despacito have done that. So I think it's it's just kind of a way to bring everybody in. You get the core uh, Spanish language uh, and Latin music fans. You get English-speaking fans. It kind of just uh, increases the mass appeal of a song. So it would make sense if uh, labels and artists continue to do that, sure. And, of course, speaking of of that superstar that they added onto the track, Justin Bieber, having yet another big week on the Hot 100. It's a huge week for him. Um, Obviously getting to number one with this song this week. If you guys remember last week as well, he was number one with a different song on DJ Khaled's I'm the One, which uh, he was featured on along with Quavo, Chance the Rapper, and Lil Wayne. So Bieber, two weeks in a row, number one. But the big thing is two different songs at number one, which is something we have never seen before on the Hot 100. Yeah, it's very rare for an artist to replace themselves at all. At number one, it's happened. Uh, Bieber's already uh, one of 12 artists to do that. When uh, Love Yourself uh, replaced Sorry, he became uh, the 12th to do that. So it's it's pretty rare just to be number one and then replace yourself at number one. But of all the previous times that it happened, no one had ever done that in consecutive weeks. So uh, say like the Black Eyed Peas had Boom Boom Pow and I Got a Feeling in 2009. But that was spread out after uh, 12 weeks at number one for the first song and then 14 weeks for I Got a Feeling, it wasn't like they did it in back-to-back weeks. Uh, the closest anyone had come before Bieber was the Beatles. One, two. She loves you, yeah, yeah, yeah. She loves you, yeah, yeah, yeah. She loves you, yeah, 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 yeah. In 1964, She Loves You hit number one March 21st, 1964. That stayed at number one for another week. So it was the following week. So a span of three weeks instead of two until uh, Can't Buy Me Love took over. So Bieber beats the Beatles for what they did in 1964.
First of all, I'm sure Will I Am is not upset that he had 26 <laughs> weeks at number one. Um, it, it is kind of an odd stat. It's almost like like you get punished for, for this particular record for having a longer run at number one because uh, the stat is going to number one consecutive weeks. But still, uh, for, for no one to have done it before, it's pretty amazing. Because it is interesting, too, because a lot of these times that you have to replace yourself at number one, you really have to have most times an extended run at number one in time for the second single to get up there. Right. Um, but this this sort of you know, quick switch replacement. Um, it really seems like that that is indicative of the environment right. that we're currently in in music. Right. You know, we kind of talked a little bit last week about how, especially thanks to streaming and the rise of these services, that you know, people not even just in your country but around the world can digest a single almost instantaneously, and you know, then you can put out another thing and they're ready for the next one. It doesn't it doesn't feel like overexposure, which I know a lot of people. You know, especially back in in the two thousands and the nineties. Right. I mean, that's why you had for some for some reasons longer breaks between albums is because you know we don't want to put too many out there and people get tired of Mariah or Janet or Usher, whoever. But just technologically, back then you had to ship physical copies of, of singles or albums to stores, and that just took time for for the actual pressings and the shipments to happen. Now in a digital world, it's so easy for a song to just be put on iTunes. Uh, immediately, so I think I think that's exactly right. That's why we're seeing this. Here, here's the other interesting thing, Trevor. Is so first time an artist has gone back to back number one in consecutive weeks on the Hot 100. Bieber the last two weeks. Less than three months ago, the same thing happened for the first time on the Billboard 200. It was uh, Future going to number one with Future and Hendrix, March 11th and 18th, and that was the first time. Uh, same thing on the Billboard 200 that an act had been number one back-to-back with new albums in back-to-back weeks on the Billboard 200. So uh, the Billboard 200 goes back to 1956, the Hot 100, 1958. We'd never seen artists go back-to-back number one on each chart until the last three months. It's happened now on both charts. I don't think that's entirely coincidence. I think, as you were just saying, it's a combination of both technology changing and just how we're seeing uh, as a result of that. People uh, knowing they can just drop a song or an album even at any point. Uh, like you were saying, in, in, in the in, in the 90s, and the 80s, you know, Michael Jackson, maybe the biggest artist of the 80s, he went... Maybe... Maybe... One of the biggest. Madonna might, might have something uh, to, to say about that. She has no case. Um, he released what, Thriller in 82. He didn't release Bad until 87. And then 91, Dangerous. I remember getting into music in 88. That was between Madonna albums. She didn't come back until 1989. And it was like she was completely off the radar to me. Whereas nowadays, uh, just even from social media, even if you don't release music, you have that kind of a presence. So it's much more of a 24-7 world than it was back then. And I think that's a big part of why we're seeing these records now. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting thing that I guess, you know, going forward, especially now people have seen the success that, that these albums and particularly the songs have. I think creating two whole albums, I mean, congrats to Future, but I, I don't see many people really putting you know that much into the game anymore which is kind of cool for him to have a record that you know probably will stand for a long time but um in singles in particular and you, and you have to wonder um many people may have thought that you know again with two bieber songs out there is that going to split attention is that gonna you know block one from number one and maybe he'll have to have a one and two of course not a bad consolation prize at all but um would it kind of you know would the balance not quite be there and i think that um, in particular, that going forward, I think maybe artists will be a little, a little less scared about you know, sort of 
working one single at a time and we'll give it its room. I mean, with so many different, you know, radio formats going on and, and streaming, like we said, I mean, people will listen to a song and in a week it'll kind of be. Yeah. Attention spans have become different. Yeah. I think in, in, in the digital and social media age. And at the same time, we can't d- diminish the status of future and Bieber. It's not like every artist is doing this. It's not just like it's suddenly easy to do. We have to totally uh, say that very few artists probably could do this future and Bieber are two of the biggest stars in music, so it's also just their talents and their fan bases. I'm not sure if it's just that that style of music or, or, or that fan base that really is is there, because at the same time you've got a lot of women artists who seem to really take their time between albums. You know, when Adele was off the radar, she was gone. Beyonce in a lot of ways, too. I mean, she, she always is a little sort of more silent and selective on social media but as well, but in particular Taylor as well. Um, I know people have really been pointing that out that she's made this conscious choice to really disappear she doesn't tweet as much as she used to and doesn't instagram quite as much really off the radar um, i'm sure as the album cycle supposedly this year is coming she'll ramp back up but um maybe uh four straight weeks of new taylor swift albums well you is know what you're thinking because she used to do that well uh, <laughs> 1990 91 92 <laughs> and 93 um but she used to do that thing she was kind of one of the first people who put out that preview song a week right every week and you know, maybe back in 2011 or so when she when she did that, it was um, a little too much too soon. You know, Spotify hadn't quite taken off. YouTube was the only way there. Um, but, you know, we, streaming wasn't really on the charts or anything like that, so it didn't quite affect it in that way. A lot of those songs also still debuted top 10 just off their sales. I wonder now, you know, with this go-round, if she tried that same strategy out of five songs... You could have two, three number ones with her with her stature. Who knows? And with Bieber, it's also, uh, I think, part of the key is that he's hitting so many different audiences. And I'm the one. He's got Chance the Rapper. And you've got Lil Wayne. So it's much more uh, hip-hop, still with a huge pop hook. And then uh, Despacito, him uh, jumping on to uh, a Latin music uh, song. So you just really I found the, these two songs back-to-back weeks where it's just sort of a perfect storm of, of hitting so many different people. Have you seen that meme? This is a little old. I know. I think he retweeted or Instagrammed it as well, where it was like it showed a split screen of like believers in 2010, which was you know young girls, you know nine to twelve who were in the baby kind of thing, and then it has a split screen of believers in 2015, and it's like a bunch of these like just like hard black dudes, like <laughs> just like you know muscles, shirtless, whatever, and it's like that that is the flip. I mean, the fact that he sort of made that audience you know all into him is is incredible, and and like you said, I mean even though he's on two very different sounding songs neither of them feels like um like inauthentic it doesn't feel like this is you know forced or canned or right. we need a pop superstar to make this work it just it it works all right uh, another act that's actually uh, been uh, releasing uh, songs on a little bit of a uh, uh, schedule of uh, whenever they've kind of wanted although then they finally uh, put out their album uh, their first full length went to number one the chain smokers in the top 10 on the Billboard Hot 100 for 54 straight weeks now with four different top 10s. Uh, huge success. Uh, Harry Styles' new album uh, released uh, May 12th on its way to number one on the Billboard 200. So we've got uh, Lee Leibsner stop by here on the Billboard Sharpie podcast to talk about everything going on at Columbia. Also, uh, James Arthur uh, doing really well with Say You Won't Let Go. So he's our special uh, industry insider interview this week here on the Billboard Sharpie podcast. Lee Leibsner from Columbia Records. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. 
Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Stop you crying, it's a sign of the times Welcome to the final show Lee Leibsner, Executive Vice President of Promotion for Columbia Records. Thanks so much for coming hey by. Hey guys, happy to be here. Kind of surprised you even have a moment with all the hits <laughs> you're working. It's always a moment, Gary, when you want to talk shop and you want to talk music. Never a problem. All right. Well, you guys are in uh, such a run of hits. I figured we just uh, talk about all of them and kind of get behind the scenes of how a lot of these songs and, and artists have been so big on the charts. Well, you know, it's it's a good fortune of having really talented artists. And a good run is, you know, a lot of it's timing. But it's always about the music first, you know, and front and center. And I think that we have such an incredible roster that it, it's – it's almost like you get one, another one comes along, three or four, and next thing you know, you, you kind of got a little bit of a nice buildup here. And, you know, we take nothing for granted, very humbled about, about it, but it's nice to have a good run. And like I said, the music has been spectacular. Before we get into individual acts, just uh, tell everyone what exactly your job is, what you do, and how long you've been there. Okay, let's start with what I do. Uh, my job is to oversee all of, you know, terrestrial radio, all formats, um, I oversee everything from alternative, even urban, to pop, to uh, rhythm, hot AC. And then that's on the terrestrial side. I would use, I obviously deal with Sirius, which we like very much, and they're you know, great to work with. Um, they offer an amazing platform and product, and their channels are really well programmed. It's almost like Baskin-Robbins, but it's 101 channels you can choose from instead of 31 flavors. But it's really, really good. Um, and I oversee the video. Uh, we have We have a great head of video, Jason Pleskow, but I oversee him and, you know, he does an incredible job. So I get a little, I get a taste of a little bit of everything. And how long have you been there? Oh, let's see. Old Sony Music. I've been there for all in about 24 years. Really? Yeah. I look good, right? He does, doesn't he, Trevor? That's great. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so that's what, 20, uh, 93? 93, yes. 93, exactly. Yeah. Just doing my math. Just doing yeah. math in my head. We got there. A little bit. We, we won't say how old Trevor was. Trevor looks like a baby. Oh, in, yeah, 93. I no memories. I was one, two. Yeah, it's okay. It's been it's been a it's been a great run. I was at Mercury Records before that. I was the DC local, and I started in a record store when I was fifteen. That's how it all started. Worked in the mailroom of Capitol Records when I went to University of Maryland, and then uh, became a local promotion uh, manager for Mercury, and then found my way to Columbia, and I did two tours of duty at Sony. One at uh, Columbia first, Epic, and then back to Columbia. 
and it's been amazing. So congratulations on almost 25 years. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I better get a podcast when that happens. So we'll okay? have an anniversary piece for you. I want to have a special just for me, okay? <laughs> Thank you. All right. Harry Styles. Let's start with, uh, with yeah. Harry. A lot of the talk about Sign of the Times has been how it wasn't maybe quite the record that everyone was expecting. All the Bowie uh, comparisons, sort of this 70s uh, rock sound. How's it, how's it been on your side? I think it's been incredible. I mean, I, first of all, he's one of the nicest humble he's first of all he's he's incredibly talented knows exactly what he wants um when i met him when one direction first landed in the states he has never changed meaning he's been he's so accommodating so giving and truly talented they all are um but hearing this record it kind of blew me away because i knew a little bit of direction he was going to go in but until you hear the final you know product the final song you don't you don't really know until you heard it. And I was, I was blown away. I was, I think my, I remember looking at uh, Harry and his manager, Jeff Hazoff, and I was like, I need a minute here. Cause they were asking me how, what do you think? And right. I just, I needed to like, just, you know, breathe for a second. Cause it was so much to take in. It was so good. And sonically just really pushed the boundaries. And I think it was an amazing artistic statement. I think it, it shifted the paradigm a bit and I couldn't wait to work it. It was one of those moments where you knew it wasn't out yet, but you, you couldn't wait to get your hands on right. it. And it's very sophisticated. It's highbrow. But I think that's what makes it unique, and it stands out that way. Was there a part of you, though, that was worried that this is pretty different from what you – know, it's not Trop House. It's different from Top 40 and right Part now. of it, I mean, it's almost sure. six minutes in length. So, you know, that was a, that Well, that was edit. a little challenging. But, but I will tell you, and Harry understood this. We went with the with that version first to radio. It was only 24 hours, but we wanted to make sure radio heard it the way it was written, the way it was intended to be. And, you know, his, they're smart. They gave us an edit right away, and they knew that we had to shorten it a bit. Um, did I think there was going to be challenges? Yeah. I mean, you knew some of the rhythmic guys would have a tough time with this, but I just hoped that radio would understand and programmers and gatekeepers that – this is a statement. It is different. It's supposed to be different. I mean, he didn't intend. To, he didn't write an album going. I want to just. He wrote what he was in his heart and what was in his head. Right. And he had a vision, and he had it for a while. And this is what he wanted to get out. And I tell you, I couldn't be prouder. I, I mean, I, I am so happy with this record, and the audience is really starting to connect. It's just going to take a minute. The more I hear it on radio, the more it it does. It sounds less shocking each time you hear it. And Gary, I'm getting emails from programmers saying that. Some did not know what to make of this. It's not a dance track. It's not electronic. It's not 17 songwriters out there, the ones we all hear about. It's not a feature. Right. It's Harry. Right. And it's Harry. And that's who it is. And it's his, it's his music. And the whole album's sort of in that lane. And I just I think it's unique. And I think it's an important record. I really do. And I'm really glad he went in this direction. I really am. Look, I know Harry doesn't want it. He didn't think about the Beatles or Bowie, he just, he, he, know, he, he wanted to make this type of record, which yes, it's people say, well, I hear, I love the references. The references are great. I don't think he went in saying, I'm going to make a queen record or a David Bowie record, but I love the references. You couldn't ask for better. I mean, back in the day, you know, nobody asked Bohemian Rhapsody for an edit. No one asked for, you know, paradise by the dashboard light. I mean, just the feedback and the compliment and the fact that, you know, we're hoping that that One Direction audience will stay with him. But more importantly, he's growing his audience. This record is getting airplay on AAA. Right. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. Did that surprise you? No, Gary. It surprised me. Well, I'll tell you what. I, I want to give a compliment to a programmer who's very smart and very musically driven, and that's Jim McGuinn. 
in Minneapolis at the sound. He wrote an email to his staff, which I wish I could share. I wish I had it to read to you guys. It was just about the art and how special it is. And don't get caught up on Harry Styles. The name has nothing to do with anything. Yes, he's a great artist, but it's the song. Listen to how beautiful and how, how adventurous this is and how timely this is. And I just, you know, you just, you wish everybody would mirror that. And that started and then, you know, KBCO and other states and, and, you know, um, the river in Boston. And you're going, wow, this is amazing. And those are very, I think those programmers should get, you know, they all should get credit because it's, it's smart. It's smart because they, they didn't let the name Harry Styles or the Connection One Direction stop them from playing a potential hit record for their adult audience. KGSR, by the way, in Austin, I have to give them a shout out too. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of like um, people make this comparison with Justin Timberlake a lot, how when he came out of the NSYNC days, you know, obviously a boy band obviously has a, a stigma attached to him. But then, you know, when you get in with the rhythmic audience and sort of how he became this R&B star and people would think, you know, Justin Timberlake, you know, getting major play on R&B and winning R&B Grammys, that would be that would be unprecedented. But it seems like in, that Harry's making that same kind of connection that he's, I mean, not that he's going, you know, from pop to R&B, but at least growing outside of the range that people thought that, you know, a a teen boy band breakout star could go so sure. quickly. Look, Justin's a world-class artist, you know, and, and I think you knew when you see, when you went to see NSYNC that he was, he was a breakout. There's no question, you know, but no one can ever say it's going to get to the level it got. I mean, you, you have an idea. All the One Direction guys are very talented. I was very lucky to work with them. I hope to work with them all again. I think they're, they're all my friends and I, they're all immensely talented. They're all making great music. Harry, you know, again, people say that all the time to me and, I, I think Harry, again, it, I know this sounds simple, but he just wants to be himself. I think this is this is the he's proud because of the record he wanted to make, and where it falls in line, I guess the audience will tell us. But I know he's proud. He has an incredible band. They wrote in Jamaica. They recorded there. They had a great time doing it. And yeah, it's nice. Like I said, it's nice to have a comparison of Justin Timberlake. I hope he becomes that. It'd be great. But I think he's happy being who he is. And I just love his whole vision. When he put the tour up on sale, they were theaters. He probably could have done arenas. Right. He, he wanted, he, di- he said, I don't want to get ahead of myself here. I hope people want to hear this music because it's not going to be a One Direction show. He just did stadiums for six years doing that. He wants it to be about the new album. And he took a, a, he took a slower approach. And I thought it was brilliant. Those shows sold out in 25 seconds. And yes, it leaves people wanting more, but he'll get to them. He's going he's gonna to play for a lot of people next, this year next year. In some ways, is is working side at the times easier than One Direction? I've always thought it's interesting how, as huge as they are, with number one albums, just immense touring numbers, it feels like they've been a little hit and miss sometimes at, at top 40 radio. Maybe a little too young sounding, some of their songs? I think they, it was a stigma, Gary. You know, I think it was one of those things where people just thought, but it's funny, as the band grew, first of all, I don't care... Whatever kind of music you like, What Makes You Beautiful was an amazing pop song. Yeah. I don't care what anybody says. You cannot help that song got in your head. It was one of the best pop songs I've ever worked. But if you follow their career, the records were getting older as the, as the albums kept coming out. Story of My Life. Right. Those are big records. Right. You know? And they were trying. They were growing as musicians, as songwriters. They're never going to be dancers. That's not who they are. <laughs> Thank God. But the art was getting broader. And yeah, Gary, some of these people, some of the programmers and some of the public, you know, they were niched. They were niched as this little teen pop band. And some of that was unwarranted. Some of it was unfair because the music was, you know, was reaching a different level. Niall's last record was very adult. Yeah. It was simple. Right. But it was very adult. Right. It had a great run at Hot AC. 
So you're reaching those mothers. And by the way, those One Direction kids are now grown up. I mean, they're six, they're six seven years you know, older. Think about that. True, right. So this, this, I think the music has evolved with them. I think that was important. And I think they're – and they're growing. They were just kids when they, when they got together. And now they're a whopping age of 23. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you mentioned uh, Lee uh, sort of alluded to it, future of One Direction. You said you hope to work them again in the future. What do you know about the future of the band? I, I – Look, they didn't close any doors. They didn't break up. They're taking a hiatus. They're working on Everybody has a solo record coming. They're all in the studio. They all put stuff out, except for Liam, who's got a great record coming out soon on Republic. Um, he's very talented. They're all making their own statement right now. But, you know, collectively, I hope, of course, I hope they all come together. I can only imagine what a One Direction record is going to sound like after this process. Been reading books of old, the legends and the myths, Achilles and his gold, Achilles and his gifts, Spider Man's control. Let's uh, move on to another act sure. that uh, I'm assuming has been taking up a lot of your working hours for, for the last year plus. The chance I know who you're talking about, yeah. In, 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 the, in the top 10, which is uh, other than Katy Perry, 69 straight weeks in uh, 2010, 2011, we've never seen this before. It's really historic, the run, the chain smokers run. Did it surprise you? Well, anytime you make history, it's a, it doesn't, I mean, you got to be humbled about it. You can't predict that. But I'll tell you what, when we, when they came, when we got them on Columbia, we knew the songs were great. We knew they were, they were writing at a different level and they weren't the selfie band anymore. And they were, but they were pigeonholed as this one hit novelty. And now they're a true force in pop music. I think that we kind of had a confidence in that because we knew the songs were really breakthrough. And those Alex and Drew are just—they're a hit machine right now. They just—they're just writing, you know, incredibly great pop songs that are working. They're transitioning very well. Drew is now out, you know, leading some of these songs. It's not all—it's not all features, which is great. Right. And I love the fact that a guy like Chris Martin took a chance with a group like this and and worked well so well because I love that they both kept sort of their credibility. They didn't go off and make some crazy record that was so far off the edge that you were like, what's he doing? Or right. what are they doing? It's exactly a you know Coldplay I mean? and Chainsmokers. Yeah. It's, it's a great collaboration yeah. and it worked. And, you know, the album is so deep. And, yeah, I mean, I, I'm again, it's it's great to be a part of this because, we again, it could have been easy to sort of write them off. You'll see them on a compilation down the road, you know, the one-hit wonders, and there it is. And, and now, like I said, they've been, you know, an amazing impact force at the uh, – at radio and, and, and culturally, they have. What are those guys like? Have you hung out with them? Always thinking of ideas. Very creative. They're very nice. I mean, they're 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 approachable. They love radio. They love they love people that support them. Um, they always they working. Always seem kind of shy in a way. Like, oh. like they're like kind of. I mean, let's like low key guys who are you know they're not full of themselves. They, they're confident as anything. They're humbled and they they want to always get ahead of this at all times. They always want to have. They're, they're, what I love about this crew, they're always working on music. The A&R process always, they're one step ahead of everybody else because they don't want to lull. It was almost surprising when they put out the album. Right. Like, oh, they're doing something And an EP and then right into an album. Right. And people picked up on different tracks. We like that. That's part of the Spotify, you know, streaming generation right now. You're going to put more tracks out. That's okay. We identified the songs we all wanted to push forward. And you keep the fan base happy. You keep feeding them, you know, new music. But they will always be one step ahead as far as putting music out. And I like that about them. They're not gonna, there's not going to be a lull with the Chainsmokers. They might take a little break for a minute. A minute when I'm talking about two weeks, 
a month maybe, but there'll be more music out. And, and I, that's what I like. The wheels are always in motion with those guys. Let's talk specifically sure. about uh, Closer. Uh, record setting song, 12 weeks at number one. Yeah. Uh, longest run in the top five. Wow. Uh, longest run uh, in the top ten from a song's debut. Every week it just seemed like we were seeing something that had never been done before. What do you think, uh, in your opinion, is the appeal to Closer? What made this such a big hit? I think that it was – the appeal was to me – first of all, I think Halsey did a great job. I think Halsey brought sort of a indie kind of vibe to it, and I thought she was great. I thought they were a great compliment. But I think the song is simple. It's easy to sing along to. It got in your head, and those are some of the biggest songs. It just it just worked. It flowed well about the relationship and what they were singing about. And I think kids especially really identified, and uh, it's one of those records I think you just it just got in your head and it never left, and it still is. And yes, not you know, knock on wood, it, it tested, it sold. It, it, like you said, Gary, it was significant airplay wise. I mean, we it broke a lot of records, and again, it was just such an impactful record. It came at the right time, but I think I think the magic really was Halsey with them. I think that really made the difference having her on that record. And she's got great socials, she's got great appeal, and I think the way that Drew and her sort of played out with this, it was believable because it is, and that's what made it so special. All right, Trevor's already looked ahead. He's got the date set for when Chainsmokers oh, could yeah. uh, tie or pass Katy Perry's record. Yeah, when is that date, Trevor? <laughs> so uh, that magic date, they would tie Katy Perry September 9th of this wow. year. So uh, <laughs> I got a lot of work to do. <laughs> so yeah, got to keep them going. You and of course, it, if they go one more week, September 16th, that would be 70. They'd have it all to themselves. That'd be amazing. Well, it seems like something just like this is, is going to be a top 10 hit for the foreseeable future. And I love that it's on six formats of radio right now. Alternative right. embraced it. It's like, like the Harry Styles. The song Chainsmokers are getting played on alternative radio. It's fantastic. Don't we love that, though? Because I don't like that people put records in boxes. It drives me bananas. People, we don't think, the public doesn't think that way. They like what they like. And if they don't, they'll let you know. We're in a world where people tell you very quickly what they like and they don't. But don't put records in boxes. You know what I mean? I, I don't like, I mean, yes, I understand structure of how things have to sort of be built out, but... Listeners don't think like like we do, and programmers they don't. They just like what they like, and if you present it to them the right way and you package it properly, you know they're the ultimate gatekeepers and decision makers. You've been on the front line of, of radio for, as you said, more a than a couple time, decades yeah. now. Is is that thinking uh, lessening? Do, do you really see that overall? Program directors are traditionally very uh, in that box of thinking uh, songs belong in, in certain places. Are you seeing that lesson in a streaming world where people can just go on YouTube, go on anywhere, and just make their own playlists? And, and there there do seem to be less fewer barriers for listeners. That's a really good question. I do, I do, and there's some really really smart programmers who understand. I. I'm not going to name any because then they'll say you didn't name me. But there are, and, I, and, and, and there's a lot of them out there. I just feel like here's the thing when I look at Gary. There's a lot of boxes to be checked when looking at a hit record. If you're checking six out of eight boxes, you're pretty good. You're probably going to the Hall of Fame. What frustrates me is when you rely just on research. That, that drives me nuts, and that's probably a whole other podcast. But there's so much more to look at now. There's so much more data. And also, I still believe – from a radio standpoint, and we work well together with, with, with programmers and obviously stations and our relationships, and is go out and talk to your audience. They'll tell you. They know. Rag and Bone Man played the Today Show because it's starting to become pop culture now. Right. And it's now starting to connect. It was a global hit, and now it's starting to connect here. It took a minute. It wasn't as explosive out of the gate, but now it's starting to fall in line. And the same thing happened in the U.K. But, you know, some people got worried a few weeks back. Oh, it's not reacting the way we thought it was. Hang tight. It's coming. 
Then you see it on ESPN. Then you see it on um, a few Fox shows where it was licensed. Then you see the kid on The Voice who did it on Adam Levine's team, and, and it shot up from that. Right. His version and Rag and Bowman's version. And you just got to let things fall in line sometimes. You just got to follow your audience. They'll take, they'll, they'll, they'll take you to the right place. They will. Yeah, that's on the pop songs chart now, and it's, it's really rare these days to have a rock song. Uh, on, on pop radio. Well, I think what made this work that it was it's soulful. There's a soulfulness to his voice. He came from a hip hop background. True. So I think that's helped a lot of people. They're like, oh, it's Hosier Part Two. It isn't. It isn't. Because I people like to say these are fringe records. I, I don't know. I just I hate the I hate, I hate all this terminology. I just it's just records. It's just good songs. People need to find good songs, and they will. They always do. Going back to Chainsmokers, sure. any thoughts on the next single? Uh, as we, as, as you we're, maybe try to get there this, yet. The streak has got to keep do going. You have any right? cho- do you, Trevor, you have any choices? Uh, oh, gosh. Um, Let me put you on the spot. Um, it feels like, let me see, all the songs, I feel like Break Up Every Night is probably the go. one that most people, yeah, we've, we've I think, have, have leaned towards, yeah. She wants to break up every night. She wants to break up every night. Don't want to wait until she finally decides to feel it. She wants to break up every night. A lot of people like Honest. Uh, a lot of people like Young. There's a few. Okay, there's, yeah, there's a few yeah. in there. We're, look, the good news is we have some time. But we are going to make a decision soon. But what I love about the Chainsmokers is a lot to choose from. Yeah. That's the beauty of, of the group. And we, we really want to position Drew, again, as a Drew song. Because it's important to you know, establish him as a singer and be the front man. Uh, there's a great song on the album from with them in the F- Florida Georgia Line. Right, that's another one. We'll right. get to that. They're going to do it. They're, they're they're performing that together soon, and you know it's just good looks, multiple looks, and it's great. Let's uh, move on to uh, one other uh, act. Uh, sure, and uh, similar, I guess, in some ways, to uh, Rag and Bowman, just in terms kind of making of, his way up. Yeah, yeah. And, and with a little bit of a rock edge, I guess. James Arthur. Uh, it's been great. Kind of a surprise uh, top forty hit. No, no, no. I'll tell you why, because. The song was so authentic, and it's emotive, and I just think it was needed at the right time. It just it spoke to females, and he is legit. I mean that the way he wrote it and sings it, you can't. It's there's nothing fake about that song. I think that's what helps sell that song because you think he's singing it to you. And the one line which I always say is the one the, the girls all like is, um, "I held your hair back when you were throwing up." It's just relatable, and it's it's one of those lines. It's just very memorable. It's like it's like an Instagram caption. I can like see people like like liking it because it's authentic. It's not some you know kind of cliched. You can't make that thing. up. Right. It's like you. What, what says you, love? We've, more we've been, been there. there. Right. Yeah. You know what? What says more than people throw, holding holding air with people throwing up? That's that's pretty romantic. Yeah, that, that's dedication. Parentheses. <laughs> the throw up song. The thro- <laughs> we danced the night away. We drank too much. I held your hair back when you were throwing up. Then you smiled over your... feels like a song that, that Ed Sheeran did in the past, and now that he's got Shape of You, which is up-tempo, this is maybe sort of filling that the sensitive singer, songwriter, male. Sam side. Smith on a break, too. That right, kinda, yeah. right. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, there's a good comparisons. You know, James, um, you know, he was on X Factor in the UK back in the day, and he sort of had a rebirth, and he got signed to Sony Germany. And then Psycho, which is Simon Cowell's company, they re-signed. He was dropped, but then he was signed up again. And this record became this global hit, but it is really coming together now here. He's touring all summer with One, One Republic and fits in the tantrums. And he's out to work. He's coming back in June to do radio shows. 
And then he'll probably do a small tour in the fall here. So he's very visible here and really likes the States, which makes it easier. And the pop remix, uh, the up-tempo remix is getting their play as well. Yeah. You know, one of the first stations to play the record was Amp in L.A. And Kevin and Michelle and John Michael, you know, it was actually Kevin's assistant who was out front, who loved the song and brought it to, uh, to him. And they were talking about it. He called me and, you know, you wouldn't think this is an Amp record right out, out of the gate. And they were there. And when I said to Kevin, I go, so I guess you're going to play that. He goes, absolutely not. I'm playing the regular version. Yeah. I don't want to play the upset. I, I don't want to do that to my audience. He wanted them to hear that version. And, and the record's done very, very well there. And it's been, um, it's been significant. And it's been dramatic. And uh, we're well on our way. And he has follow-ups, which is great. There's the next song, Can I Be Him? It's already starting in the UK, but we feel really confident moving forward. We're going to have a great run with James you know, through the year. You have so many other acts we need to talk about, Lee. Can we have you come back? You got it. Happy to do it. Tell them I was happy and my heart is broken. All my scars are open. Tell them what I hoped would be impossible. No, that is not a mistake. That that actually is James <laughs> Arthur's uh, cover of the song Impossible by Chantel, which uh, was his song when he won the X Factor back in the UK. That was a song that he chose as his winner single, and they released it. Just a Chantel flashback. I <laughs> what? Because I, I heard it actually on Spotify um, uh, the other day, and you know, of course, you're like, you like I didn't recognize the instrumentation, but I, I knew the lyrics, and I was like, but I was like, I. I know that. Okay. Oh wow. For, I mean, the song's only you know five six years old, but I just and it was I just forgot about it. And that song was on the radio a lot. It was a big hit at the time. Then be, didn't it become a big hit on like Idol and on all the different shows? Wasn't everyone singing it? I it, it seems like that would be. I, I didn't. I confess I was off the Idol train at that point, but it definitely seems like the kind of song that would be. Obviously, it was on the UK X Factor, so I'm sure. You know, it kind of straddles that line between upbeat enough but ballady enough to where it's you know not boring but it's not but you can show off your vocals right and right. i think people grabbed onto that yeah so going deep on the james arthur catalog here i Never know mind and, say you won't let go and getting that Chantel mention out there <laughs> uh so yeah great stuff from lee leifsner columbia records talking about uh, harry styles the different the different styles no pun intended on on the album uh chain smokers what might be coming next for them as they continue in the top 10 of the hot 100 uh so much to get to from lee so he is going to come back on the podcast we'll get into uh, beyonce uh adele uh heim one of my favorites on columbia so more from Lee coming up on the podcast. But right now, uh, never mind Chantel. We're going to go back even way further than that. We are. We're going back to 1982 this week. Um, Gary's talking about Harry Styles maybe being number one next week on the Billboard 200. This week, we're talking about Logic being number one on the Billboard 200, which huge breakthrough for him. Um, in particular, he's got a song on the album with Alessia Cara and Khalid Uh Phone number is the t- uh, phone number is the title, not phone number. His new song, phone number. <laughs> I mean, hotline bling, you know, That's call true. me maybe. Right. Phone numbers out there, uh, but the the song is actually one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five. 
Um, so actually a pretty serious matter for what the number is. Yeah. The, if you uh, don't know, the number is the actual, the real life number to the national suicide prevention hotline, um, which the song obviously kind of goes into, into that theme a lot. He tweeted that uh, he, he wanted to put out a song that would really help people. So it, just, it came from his heart uh, putting this song out. And definitely, you know, as logic, kind of one of these, these on the scene regional rappers, who's obviously now hit a new milestone. Definitely cool that he's using that new platform to advance a, a good cause. Let me just ask you real quick, uh, Trevor, what was behind uh, this huge first number one for Logic on the Billboard 200? Do you think because he hasn't had really a big hit single, uh, this is just uh, his first number one. He's had uh, top tens before, but uh, any thoughts on, on what made this his, his big breakthrough at number one? I think this is one of those cases where this guy, he's been around for a couple of years and the, the, the music and the fans and, and sort of the message has always kind of been there. I mean, this may be too sim- simple an example, but you introduce him to your friends, you know, your friends have never heard of Logic. Now they figure it out. Maybe he's playing some little local shows around and and the reach kind of just spreads in, in those kind of ways because he definitely seems like a, you know, like a, a young right. people's rapper. So just good old fashioned um, building up a fan base over a few years. Yeah, I mean, that that really seems to be the big thing. Like you said, it's not this huge hit single. He didn't change his sound. It wasn't this massive performance on SNL or the Today Show that really, you know, catapulted him. Um, I think that's that's really inspiring, probably for a lot of artists who are out there who, especially in a, in a way as we talk nowadays, you know, if Bieber's putting out a song every week, the Chainsmokers every month, you know, I know people probably make it discouraged or think that, you know, pop music is going to be top heavy, but um, you know, there's still there's still ways to break through. It can be hard. It can be so hard. But you gotta live right now. You got everything to give right now. Leave 1-800 in the present, take a backseat real quick. We'll flash back to 1982, though, when we got, like, maybe the fam- most famous phone number we've ever, ever heard on the Hot 100. The highest charting. Hey, Logic's still out there, man. You know, you so never far, know. You're you right. never know. But, yeah, back in 1982 this week, Tommy Two-Tone got all the way to number four, eight six seven five three oh nine yine. Huge hit, obviously. I mean, everyone, even if you don't know anything about Tommy Two-Tone or you don't know anything about the song, really, you know the number and you know the jingle that goes with it, the little little melody to it. So, um, yeah, Tommy Two-Tone making a huge wave with this song. Um, Jenny, that's Jenny's phone number, if you don't know. That's what's going to pick up if you call 8675309. But my favorite fun fact, I just discovered this when I was writing about this last week, the last name of one of the writers of 8675309, his last name is Call. Really? How perfect is that? Alex Call co-wrote the song with Jim Keller. Alex Call. Shout out to Alex. So yeah, with with Tommy Tutel, we got Logic. Any other phone numbers out there swirling around that have hit the Hot 100? Yeah, there's been a few over the years. With the second biggest one after Tommy Tutel, Wilson Pickett in 1966 had six three four five seven eight nine parentheses Soulsville, USA. Uh, 
Um, one that goes back even further, 1962. This is this is a phone number, Trevor. Uh, the phone number was Beechwood four five seven eight nine. Four five seven eight nine. Don't forget the Beechwood at the beginning. That's, That's part of the phone number. Yeah, we did. Yeah. How do you type in Beechwood? It, it was it was a telephone exchange name, which back. This is before me. This is actually older than me when uh, you'd have to type in a word or say a word to the operator. You, you see it sometimes on like old TV shows like on I Love Lucy. They'll, they'll call and they'll say, they'll say an area and then that the operator would connect. Oh, I, uh, maybe this is before like area codes were a thing or something it, or it, long it, distance was I'm a thing. just happy that there's something that predates me that I don't even know <laughs> all the information about. Uh, 1988 Squeeze. Had had a hit that is sort of similar to Tommy Two Tones, eight five three five nine three seven. Ooh, they they saw they saw the tr- they saw the trend there. They, they jumped on a, it. A very very quick uh, trend in the eighties. Another one uh, from the eighties too that that uh, people uh, uh, remember is uh, the time uh, number eighty eight hit nineteen eighty two just made the chart seven 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 nine three one one. All right, all right. A little phone number, phone number happenings going on there. I'm still, I'm still surprised no one's put out like a nine one one or something. Well, nine one one is a joke, but that never charted on the Hot 100. Ah, uh, yeah. Public Enemy, Fear of a Black Planet, way back when. Yeah, but uh, it also makes you wonder, you know, especially nowadays when people don't call each other nearly as much as they do. You know, is this the last? Is this one of the last phone number? I mean, they're not that common, I suppose. Too, too much, but is this the last number we may see on the Hot 100 for a while? No one calls anybody. Right. People would just rather text than talk. Exactly. Can we just text the podcast to each other? Do we have to talk? Maybe that'll be... I think it's probably a little more effective if we, if we talk. People Fine. Re- people reading a long thread. Fine. All right. Uh, that's this week's uh, Chartbeat Podcast. Next week, we'll see uh, if there's another new number one on the Hot 100. If so, it would be five and five weeks. Uh, we haven't seen this kind of turnover since uh, 1990. So we'll see if that can continue. Hadn't happened uh, since 1990. You know who stopped the streak? Mariah Carey. There were seven straight number ones in late 1990. And then uh, Love Takes Time would not let go. It was number one for three weeks. And Whitney had to wait uh, for Love Takes Time to finish before I'm Your Baby Tonight could get to number one. It's not that she had to wait for Love Takes Time to finish. She finished Love Takes Time. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Our Whitney Mariah battles will continue. Uh, as will, of course, the, the Bieber battles on the Hot 100. So, of course, tune in next week, like Gary said, if we'll see a fifth number one. Who who knows what it could I mean, no no obvious contenders, but you never know. Maybe maybe one of these Harry Styles songs jumps out. Maybe the new TS6 single comes out of the sky. But, yeah, be sure to tune in for that. So we'll talk a little bit about that. We'll have Lee back on the podcast as well next week talking um, about Adele, Beyonce, Train, Calvin Harris, who's got a new album coming out as well, and Haim, who also have a new album out this summer. So we'll have a lot to talk with him about. And we will, of course, wrap with another awesome flashback. So make sure you guys tune in for all of that. And right now we'll, we'll close with that song that was just such a huge number one hit, Love Takes Time, Mariah Carey. Oh, my God. <laughs> Three weeks. Here we go. 